Hi, Gwei, and welcome, friends, to this week's episode of Branding Brujas, a podcast for those of you looking to add some magic to your marketing. We are so blessed you chose to join us this week, and we thank you. Before we get started, let's ground ourselves in this moment so we can be here and fully present. If you're willing and able, join with me now in some cleansing breaths. All breathing is in through the nose, out through the nose for a count of four. Ready? Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Inhale, two, three, four. Exhale, two, three, four. Last one. Inhale, two, three, four. Hold and exhale, two, three, four. Thank you for bringing yourself to this moment. Enjoy the show. Welcome back. I hope you all have grounded yourself. We are back and recording after a three-week hiatus, I think, since we released (laughs) everything. So hopefully you've had time to listen to all the episodes. (laughs) If not, there's still time. They're not going anywhere. Um, But we are back and we're going to just jump right in. Today we're talking about the hidden identities, how our hidden identities affect us, how our hidden identities affect our work um, and the people around us. But before we do that, JR is with me and I am just curious, JR, how are you feeling now that we have seven episodes out in the ether Mm -hmm. and we're launching this one in the next couple of days? How are you? I'm really good. I'm excited. Um, It's funny because we shared it. We shared this on social media, right? Our announcement. And I obviously had some like friends comment and one of my former bosses from Chicago, he had commented being like, Saying this thing about how, like, an early adopter to podcasters, to, to podcasting, now turned podcaster, like, so cool. And it just made me laugh because it was, like, my first job in Chicago, and I totally listened to a lot of podcasts um, and talked to him about it all the time. And so it, I didn't even think about it that way. It was, like, someone who adopted podcasts early, and now here I am making one with you, which I never thought I would do. I hate, like, hearing my voice, like... <laughs> And I was just telling you, I'm like, I can't, I'm not somebody who wants to like promote myself, right? Like, I'm not like, listen to me on this podcast. Like, I can't do that. But I'm really great at doing it for like other people and brands. And so it's another reason why it's like exciting and scary and fun. I just like talking to you. Thanks. <laughs> I know it is. It's so fun because I am a huge podcast lover and I listen to a ton of podcasts. I have been, I did not join the podcast like journey early with most people. I came in, I think maybe like three years ago, I started listening to podcasts and I similarly had like all of my people at work like, oh, that's the podcast lady. Like they love podcasts. Mm -hmm. And I do. I love though. I I used to listen to podcasts and they would talk and they'd be like, oh, we're just like two people in a room. (laughs) Yeah, and it it, it It is. is. (laughs) That's all it is. We're just two people in a room talking. But it's so cool. And I love that we 
are passionate about the same things, usually I don't find people to indulge me in these conversations. <laughs> so I'm grateful that I found someone that can talk about this stuff just as much as me, if not more. And um, I love it. So we are talking hidden identities. JR, you and I have had this conversation many a times mm-hmm. before. So when you think of hidden identities, what does that like make you think of your personal hidden identities, your work hidden identities? Just Oh, wow. So many identities. I guess like when you first ask that question, the one I think about is like the mental health side of things first, right? Because not everyone can see like your mental health, right? Sure. And after going through like such extreme grief in the last year, losing my dad, it's like, I don't think people realize just how fucked up my head was for about a year, right? Like, um, and that's totally a hidden identity where, like, think people could be talking to me or saying something, and, like, I'm like, I'm in another world while they're mm-hmm. talking to me about something, and that may be perceived as rude or whatever, but it's like, no, I'm just going through my own thing right now. Um, so I think about mental health a lot, right? And I think about, like, because it is part of, like, accessibility and it is part of an of a disability right and having like things like adhd or ocd or um bipolar disorder anxiety depression all these things they do require some like adjustments in the workplace they do acquire some require some adjustments in the way that you function day to day and that so that is a big hidden identity i think about um, and I think about this right now, too, because one of my friends where she works, they just, you know, everybody's going back to the office, blah, sure. blah, blah. And so she had request when she started working there three years ago, had a cre- requested accommodations for her mental health because she is diagnosed on med- like bipolar, ADHD, these things. Right. She's like, I need my own space to work for my own. Like, I need a private office. Mm-hmm. I mean, first of all, we've been working from home for two years, so I don't even need to. And I'm doing great. So, um, and her employer was being like, hmm, I don't know. We don't have room for that. You're just going to, and like just completely was like, no. And she's like, I could sue them. Like, like, this is my reasonable accommodations, right? It's a whole legal thing. Um, Anyway, now I've gone off on a different tangent, right? But like, these are part of the hidden identities. And so I think about mental health the most, um, at least today. And then... You know, hidden identities as a mixed kid, right? It's always like changing your language, how you sure. speak, how you communicate, how you dress. Oh my god, I don't know how liberate. I can't tell you how liberating it is to be able to wear whatever the fuck I want now. Yeah, and like not have somebody be like, "Oh, you look colorful," or I could never pull that off, but you look good at it. I want to be like, "Fuck off!" Right? I don't have to do that anymore. I could just be, and it's great. Isn't that lovely? I think I'm listening to you and I have so many thoughts because A, mental health, obviously a big, big one. And I think what I have found, and you've probably seen this too, we come from, I think, the last generation of where mental health was under the mm-hmm. rug, right? Yep. Like, we're the generation of, you know, don't talk about it. Mm-hmm. You, that's embarrassing, especially when you come from, like, a Latino or a black culture where mm-hmm. it's extra, like, we that stays in the house, right? Like, you don't let that leave the house. So to grow up having hide, hidden it, right? Like, mm-hmm. I struggled with it my whole life. I hid it. My mom is very about appearances. Sorry, mom, if you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> she knows. She knows where I stand, but... <laughs> She's very appearance-oriented, so I hid that for a long time. And I think now we're we're in a post-burnout world where everyone mm-hmm. talks about how mental health and that's how that can lead to burnout, and we're having these conversations. 
But I don't know. I, I have to ask if you feel this way. I find that even though we're having these conversations, we're still not doing anything about it. No, I'm like, <laughs> you're like, we're past burnout culture. I'm like, excuse me? Can you say that again? Like, we talk about burnout <laughs> we culture. Talk about, we talk about being past burnout culture, but we're not. Not even a little bit. And like, even a, a reasonable accommodation, because I'm thinking about it, right, just from a business side. Mm-hmm. And I'm imagining what those business, like, Board members were thinking when they got this request, oh, I need my own office, I need X, Y, Z. They're thinking money, they're thinking we don't have the resources, this is a waste. And then I think still, we do have a lot of older people still in positions of power, so they're not even willing Mm -hmm. to see how this is real. Yeah. And I'm like, I need to be by myself. Like, I, I don't know if I could ever survive in an office setting Ever again. Oh, I can't. I cannot. I won't. I can't. It's just weird to think about, like, how we we conditioned ourselves to think that way. Mm -hmm. And now we're building this new norm. And I'm hopeful that this new generation, our generation, really, because we're the next set of leaders, our generation is able to change the conversation about mental Mm -hmm. health. Because it is. It's so hidden. It's something that you walk around with. No one knows what demons Mm -hmm. you're walking with. But if we could bring those identities to the light and talk about them authentically, I'm feeling depressed today. What does that mean? Like, mm-hmm. when I say I feel depressed, I'm not just sad. Like, it goes so much so deeper. So much deeper. Like, oh, gosh. <laughs> I'm not getting out of bed. I can't wash my face. I don't want to eat. I want to watch Netflix for three hours and just zone out, you know? Yep. So how do we have those conversations in a way that's authentic? Mm-hmm. And how can we bring them into the workplace where I'm spending all of my time? Right. And know? I, yeah absolutely I was you were talking about like I can never go back to an office setting I'm like I don't know who thought it was a good idea to spend more time in a workplace than in your own home right (laughs) like who thought that was a good idea like I just don't know like when we talk about I oh man I just I'm trying to get so many (laughs) I'm like I don't which statement comes out first Jamie Um, (laughs) oh but it's just like I think about how I used to pack up so much shit every day to leave my house it would be like what am I gonna eat that day a change of clothes to go to the gym like Mm. all my stuff for the work right like all these things and it was just being so exhausting and never being home and granted I'm home a lot now but I get so much more done you know I I, like accomplish so much more I feel better in my own skin like I think of working from home as like an element of like protection and like safety too Mm -hmm. of like some of these identities, right? And I think for people of color specifically, the ability to work from home, especially in white, when you work in a white dominated space is like, is a beautiful gift. Yes. Like even we heard from the, this woman, I think she works at Intel locally and uh, she's like part of hiring and like diversity equity inclusion they now have seven staff members of color in this huge organization wow but but they only have seven because five out of the seven work remotely there you go yep and the uh, because any other person she recruited to try to come here they couldn't stay they couldn't take it it's i'm not surprised no i'm agreed it's tough and like you you said that it protects our identities, right? To mm-hmm. work at home. And immediately, the first thing that comes to mind is my hair, right? Oh, yeah. If I can wear my bonnet 
at mm-hmm. home and like how many times have I been on a zoom call with you and I've got my hair in a wrap because I'm at home and I don't want to do it and it takes a lot of time and <sighs> it takes a lot of energy um another thing and I know that this is not specific to people of color but it is you know for female presenting to have to do makeup oh and my god to ha- I love to do my makeup I love to look hot and like mm. you know the red lipstick and all of that heavy eyeliner I love it but I don't want to do it all the time mm-hmm. and I find that being someone who's mixed with a lot of African and indigenous ancestry that I have um very masculine features and so I have been told, like, oh, you look very mannish when I don't wear my makeup. Fuck and I, I, like, don't. Like, I just want to class. Like, no, you not you in, like, don't. a shameful like way. Like, I just don't. I'm, like, sitting across from you. You do not. <laughs> but, but I think, right, like, when you have the broader nose and you have mm-hmm. the higher cheeks and you just have these more, like, not European, not Eurocentric features, it is your femininity is then written off as masculinity because it doesn't match the dominant mm-hmm. masculine feminine cultures. Yeah, um, and it's it's weird because it's like, again, like sometimes I want to wear my hair in a ponytail, messy bun, and I don't want to do my makeup, and I want to wear my glasses and just be. Uh-huh. And at home, I can do that, and there's no judgment, there's no shame, and I'm fine. And to add an extra step, you know, I've curated a team of only black and brown women Mm -hmm. uh it is a blessing if you don't have a team of only black and brown women go and get Mm. you one if you can we get shit done (laughs) y'all we are efficient we are hilarious Uh (laughs) and we have a lot of fun and i think what's really important talking about our identities right is that i can be more seen Mm -hmm. in those spaces i can say just last week we had a meeting and i think Towards the end of the meeting, we were just talking about how we were feeling overwhelmed and we mm-hmm. had imposter syndrome and we had this, that, and the third that I don't know in a room full of white cishet men. I, not, I'm sorry. I do know that in a room full of white cishet <laughs> yes, men. Yes, you do know. <laughs> I would never say any of that. No way. You know, how could I? Yeah, how no could way. I? I mean, even, not even just that, like... It doesn't even need to be, like, white men. It's, like, even white women oh, in yeah. some cases, right? Sure. Especially, like, in my former workplace, having some uh, white women in leadership, like, I'm done talking about feelings type of thing. And it's oh, like, motherfucker, yeah. I'm not talking about my feelings. I'm just fucking tired from all the work you make me do. You know what I'm saying? Like, can yep. I express, yes. like, my capacity here? You're supposed to be a leader in this space and you're insulting shaming me for feeling overwhelmed in my workload when I take on three people's job you know what I'm saying yes I do I know exactly what you're saying (laughs) and no because white women subscribe to the dominant forms of patriarchy Mm -hmm. if anything more so than men because their position in patriarchy is less secure. Mm-hmm. And so when you say to me, like, oh, I'm done. Ta-, they're, they're saying things like, I don't want to talk about feelings. And I don't want to have these conversations. I hear them saying, I need to fit into the dominant patriarchy. And mm-hmm. men don't do this, so I can't do it. It shows me that I'm weak. And I, I, I you know, I don't know what they're thinking because we could never really know. That's what makes it a hidden identity. Right. But I wonder if these women walk around like frustrated that they have to do. The, I don't know. Yeah. I, I get curious because I've had a leader 
who was very living in her masculine energy mm-hmm. and she would shut me down constantly mm-hmm. and it was it was only I could I could always see it a difference like it was like a light light switch when mm-hmm. she was living in her feminine energy she was more nurturing she was more comforting she was just a cool person to be around and the second the numbers were down or the second we had some target to hit that we were failing or some blunder happened masculine energy switched on she was short with me she was rude she didn't care about I'm a very flowery person as you know and she'd be like we don't have time like let's go let's go and I'm like oh no I can't I can't live like this (sighs) yeah um the hidden identity, like thinking about hidden identities in terms of masculine energy versus feminine energy, that that ties into like people's gender identities, right? Sure. That's another hidden identity. Like, like I'm an a- like I'm an asshole. I'm gonna say this straight up. Like I have a na- my neighbor. I ran into her at an event out of town, and I was like, oh, so is do you live with your mom? And she's like, my mom. That's my wife. Like I am an asshole. That I, that was the first thing that I thought, and I was like, and I was like, I am so sorry. I just. I just assumed I'm an asshole, right? Like, but that's a hidden identity that I didn't, it didn't even phase, think, I didn't even think that because sure. they didn't show up, like, the I didn't, they didn't, thought. the way that I thought a lesbian couple would look, right? Sure, yeah. And that that's my fault, like, that's my own bias right there, that's my own, bull, like, and I apologize, I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm an asshole, I don't mean that. I but it bu- happens. But it happens, exactly, and so you can, like, own your bullshit, right? Like, I did. Like, accidents happen. I'm sure I wasn't the first person ever to do this to her. Yeah. Uh, there's another brown woman, a brown couple, right? Like, wow, yeah. So, that, again, that speak mostly Spanish, so, again, that was another reason, and, like, generationally speaking, right, it was, like, a grandma with the daughter and then her kid, right? So, I just assumed... Because yeah. generationally, that was my assumption. Yeah. But those are the hidden identities I didn't think about. And then I talked to her more, and she's from Venezuela. And, like, we all know what's happening in Venezuela. Well, sure. I'm going to assume everybody knows what's happening in Venezuela, but it's, like, not great there. And yeah. so, like, she had a young child living with her. I learned, I'm pretty sure that was her niece and not her daughter because getting out of Venezuela, right? And sure. so had I just, like, allowed, like, not just made these assumptions with my own bias, like, and remember myself, those hidden identities of people, right? Like, yeah. Here I am sitting here preaching that people need to know my hidden identity, but I'm not doing the due, justice, due diligence for, like, others, right? And I see that. It's hard. Well, it's hard, right? And I want to, like, I appreciate that you're acknowledging it, and I appreciate that you're calling attention to it because we live in such a world of assumptions, mm-hmm. right? Like, everyone, you walk around, you see someone, you think X, Y, Z, I... I have a, a kind of funny story. Um, I was on TikTok and I um, I identify as Afro-Indigenous for those of you who don't know, but I definitely favor my Indigenous side way more than my Black side. And I look like to the, un- what I would say, the untrained, ignorant eye, very like Mexican. And I'm not Mexican even a little bit. I don't have any Mexican in me. Um, but I was on TikTok and this like white guy of all people made a video talking about his mat or his potato salad. And he goes, if you're not black, you can't tell me about my potato salad. So I get in the comments and I'm like, I don't know. I said something along the lines of like, it doesn't look good because it didn't. <laughs> and he told me to shut up. Oh my God, back the fuck up. He did. He did this like white guy commented and he's like, you don't have a say here. And I was like, sir. Yes, I did. But he couldn't even get to the point in his brain that I would be a black woman that has 
insight to potato salad. I make a banging potato salad. <laughs> and I just, I thought it was so funny. And my husband and I, we had a really good laugh about it because my husband was very honest that when he first met me, he thought I was Mexican as well. He had, he's from the Midwest. There's not a lot of Puerto Rican people in the Midwest. So he was like, I just assumed you were a Mexican. Yeah. And I was like, okay, like it doesn't hurt. Like there's nothing wrong with that. It's just, it's so interesting yeah. how people walk around and they like, you look like this uh-huh. thing and that's it. And I, I can't fathom unless I talk to you. Right. And a lot of times people, you know, you and I are comfortable having the conversation, but yeah. most people aren't even talking about it. They're just no. walking around like, that's a Mexican. Like, yep, no, for real. I mean, when I met you, I was like, oh, this girl, Puerto Rican. Like, I knew, like, straight up, you're Puerto Rican. But, like, I grew up with Puerto Ricans. Sure. I grew up with Puerto Ricans. I grew up with Mexicans. Like, I, I knew the difference. I have yes. to know the difference. Yes. I, like, uh, well, when you're, one of, when you're one of us, right, when you're Hispanic, you know, like, <laughs> you can look and you're like, oh, you're Ecuadorian, uh-huh. and you're Dominican, and you're, you're from Puerto Spain, Rican. Yep. and you're this. But no one else can tell. And then, mm-hmm. like, I think the same thing with, like, Asian Americans. Yes, I right? like, I can somewhat, I can sort of discern there's some cultures that I'm like, oh, like, Filipino. Right. I can tell Filipino. But, like, you know, the difference between, like, a Korean and a Japanese person, yeah. I admittedly don't know enough about the culture mm-hmm. to make that discernment. Now, I'm not an asshole, so I'm not going to be like... You're yeah. Korean, I because I know a Korean person, but so many people do that. So it's many people do that. Up. It's super fucked up. Um, I had the privilege of going to the summer camp when I was a kid growing up. My dad used to work at Northwestern University, and it was this like affiliated summer camp. Um, and so a lot of folks that had gone to Northwestern University, which is kind of like a really prestigious school in Chicagoland area, um, it'd be people from all over the world. And so there was a, a cohort of folks that were there this one summer. I guess every summer, that were from Taiwan. So I met Taiwanese people. Mm. And I learned elements of Taiwanese language and Taiwanese hand games. Like, But how often are you really identifying people like as so narrow? Not narrow. I don't want to say narrow. That sounds negative. But so like yes. specific. There we go. So specific of an identity as someone who's Taiwanese versus Korean versus Chinese, Japanese, all of those. And it was like being so young and being like, wow, this is awesome. I didn't even know Taiwan was a country, right? right. I was like eight, you know? And so I'm like, wow, where is that? And then them showing me like our their broken English and me being just curious of like looking at a globe, right? Like, cause you'd have them in this camp. And I digress. That was my comment on uh, the varying Asian American identities too, because I've heard from a variety of folks about how like, no, I'm not. I'm not Chinese. I'm Korean, right? And that's just a, just as offensive as somebody sure. calling you like a Mexican instead of a Puerto Rican, or however you want to identify. Yeah. Um, another thing that's really interesting I wanted to tack on to is like how you were saying Indigenous and and African American or Black, and how no people people don't recognize you as a Black individual. Sure. I'm I'm Mexican and and white. My last name is Rasmussen, mm-hmm. right? And it's Norwegian. My dad is a tall white man with blue eyes. And my whole life, I've just been identified as a Mexican woman. Mm. You are a Mexican woman, Jamie. That is what mm-hmm. you are. You're a bitchy Mexican woman at that, right? Like, <laughs> got that too. And so, like, with the passing of my dad, it was, like, it's actually been liberating to, like, reclaim my Norwegian yes. heritage, yes. right? Like, I, like, Rasmussen is, like, fucking Smith in Norway, apparently. Really? And so if I go there, I'll meet, like, a ton of other Rasmussens. Or is it Danish? Now I'm getting them fucking confused. See how, like, I get confused with my own name, Danish or Norwegian. 
Either way, I don't look like a Danish or Norwegian. Sure. Um, but it's been beautiful to kind of reclaim some of those traditions, some of those, like, cultural elements, like, like traditional art of, like, Norway and, and Denmark is beautiful. Yeah. You know? And so uh, talking about those hidden identities, like, because I look so Mexican, it doesn't matter that I also have this, like, white cultural sure. background. One drop rule. Yeah. And... And so, oh yeah, that's just, it's adding to this other side of the story. Absolutely. Right? Like, well, it's an identity that you have that you don't even get to fully realize mm-hmm. because other people ascribed identities to you. And, you know, my husband, he is a white man. I talk about this a lot. I think that the creation of white people, this is, bear with me before you guys tune out. Listen to what <laughs> I have to say. Um But the creation of the American white, right? The American Mm. white person erased so many cultures. Mm -hmm. It really did. And so when a white person, a white American, specifically an American, it has to be an American, says that they're white, they don't know where their ancestors came from. They know that they're white. And what does that mean? And my husband, when I did my ancestry test, wanted to do his ancestry test but he's so afraid of what the answers will be he's so afraid he's going to find out there's like slave heritage like slave owner heritage Mm. he doesn't know he knows that he has some english and some irish in him he doesn't he thinks that he has some viking in it we talk about it all the time i think he has viking but we don't know probably he looks at that beard yeah i think he is but um we don't know for sure, but on that note, I, I does. It makes me really sad when I think about white people um, because I do feel like in the creation of America, we erased all these beautiful cultures, and I wish that white people had that because mm-hmm. they wouldn't then have to steal from us. Mm-hmm. If they could just have their own traditional foods and they can have their own traditional dance and artwork and style oh, yes. of dress, you know? Do you Was this in New York where you had, like, different pockets throughout your city that were, like, culturally based? Like, for example, yes. like, well, there's a whole community of people from Poland, mm-hmm. right? So, like, the whole Polish community had, like, Polish school, Polish dance, Polish celebration, everything, Polish restaurants, like, a whole neighborhood for people who are from Poland or identify as Polish. Yes. Just, like, a same thing for anyone, like, Mexican and Latinx community, Greek community, Irish community. Mm-hmm. There's, like, a whole Irish community in Chicago, too, right? So there is, like, these elements you can tap into your white ancestry. Yes. But it's, like, I mean, it's that patriarchy and that white supremacy that just is, like, no, we can't. Right. There's no culture higher, like, better than another. Yes. You know, but yes. the American way. But, but, like, what is, I mean, American, American culture. Like, what capitalism is capitalism and patriarchy. Like, we don't have a culture when you live in America. You know, it's, it's an amalgamation of all these other cultures that we've stolen. But, yes, in New York, I grew up going to, um, like, I had a lot of Irish people in the neighborhood I grew up with, or grew up in. So a lot of Irish people just sharing, like, oh, St. Patty's Day, where I'm from, like, 
corned beef and hash mm-hmm. and um it's like fucking real ba- like boiled potatoes like i had a really good friend growing up tara and her dad was like really old mm-hmm. so we were young he we were like in middle school and he was like in his 60s so he mm-hmm. was like a really old gentleman and so he had all these like really old cultures and yeah. he had been in the neighborhood since like the 30s when it was really very uh immigrant very irish mm-hmm. very um my neighborhood specifically growing up is was irish Albanian and Italian, the oh, Jewish yeah. pockets. Um, and I I loved it. I grew up loving the way in which all these cultures came together. And something else that I loved is the way that the and I'm sure Chicago has something similar to this. In New York, you were all the cultures. You walked into a Chinese restaurant and you were greeted as though you've known and you did you've known these Chinese people oh yeah yeah, yeah, your whole life and they welcome you and they watch you grow up and you watch their kids grow up and you know I think about there was this Polish old woman who was basically like the little grandma in our neighborhood and we loved her and she would give us little baklava bites that were just like delectable and (sighs) so I grew up knowing that European culture existed Mm -hmm. and then moving to the midwest away from a major metropolitan area and i was like oh y'all are all just like (laughs) corn (laughs) 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 and it's a culture but it's not i don't know i feel like it's not enough Mm -hmm. it's just not enough i remember being younger and i was really good friends with this one girl who was um like really tall thin white she was polish and she was in ballet, but she went to Polish school every Saturday. And I was like, Polish school? What? That's so cool. <laughs> I like, you know, or there was like every Saturday there was either Polish school, Jewish school. Like, yep. I mean, I don't know if that's what they were really called, right? I'm not any of these identities, but they're there yeah, where you learn specifically about your culture. Yes. Like, right? And it was primarily white identities, though. Isn't that interesting? Like, primarily white identities created these educational, educational spaces in Chicago to carry on their culture. Yes. And it was Jewish schools, it was it was Polish schools, it was Indian, like from India, not Native yeah. American. And, oh, I had friends that were from Bulgaria that did the same thing. Bulgarians. Wow. Like, you know what I mean? There were so many of these. And that's like the beauty of major metropolitan areas like a Chicago, New York. Sure. I mean, I don't know if New York has these things, but still. No, it does, yeah. Yeah, and so... Anyway, I like, again, I don't even know where we're on, how long we've been talking about this, but like... It's, we could forever. Because <laughs> it's so hard. It's so hard because you you want to acknowledge this in people, but they don't know. Mm-hmm. They don't know what their identities are. And then the other thing, right, we haven't even talked about this when we're talking about hidden identities, is what messages you send to people about mm-hmm. different identities before they've even had a chance to open up. Mm-hmm. You know, so something that I have to be really mindful of, and I'm sure you deal with this, is I'll say things like, oh, that's white people shit. Oh, it's not of white people. Oh. <laughs> I'm like, shit, like I shouldn't have said that because I don't want them to think that I'm putting, the- no, I don't. I don't want them to think I'm putting them in a monolith. I know that not, when I say white people shit, I mean a very specific thing. Yeah. I mean, I'm around the the type of white people that know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Like, I think I yes. put myself in the right places now where I could be like, that's some white people shit. We ain't doing that. And then, like, all the white people being like, oh, yeah, haha. ha Like, yeah, 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 yeah. you're right, you're right, ha-ha. Like, I know, like, for shame. <laughs> My husband, who is fully white, definitely says that's white people shit. What <laughs> I 
<laughs> oh my god, that's so funny. I feel it. Yeah, I feel that so much. Yeah. Oh. It's but it's tough because you do. And I I think when we think about this from like a business perspective, right? Mm -hmm. And we think about our own like labor forces when you have a, a business, when you welcome a new person onto your team, right? Like you don't know what identity is that person's walking into mm -hmm. your team with. And you can try and be friendly, but it only takes one comment for that person to lose trust in you and mm -hmm. to never reveal that identity. Effort. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. I don't know about you, but like, there's certain pieces of me that I've never brought to work until I met the team I have now. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Right? Like, oh, yeah. And I mean, I think, well, like, with my dad dying, like, I, all my bound, like, all of my ability to keep my shit together fell apart. So I think some of those things <laughs> came out towards the end of my time at my last job. But um, I definitely would be a certain way at work. The whole code switching thing, right? Which is, like, so exhausting and, like... Yeah. Oh, it's such a privilege to not have to do that anymore. And I'm just so... I'm so grateful. And, I mean, I... We all code switch, right? Like, yes. we all have an element of code switching dependent on the environment you're in. And it's exhausting when it's that, like, fucking 40 hours a week. Like, we talked about earlier where you spend more of your time at work than at home. So to not have to be doing that for 40 hours a week or having the privacy of an office or being at home is, like, so thrilling and liberating. Right. I think I'm off topic again, though. I'm sorry. No, I don't think you are. I think that it's all very honest and true. And when we think about our identities, I think we struggle to be honest with ourselves mm -hmm. about having to, especially when you have to hide it. Yeah. So I think it's one thing when you choose to hide your identity. Right. Right. That's an ownership thing. There are parts of me that I'm never going to show up mm -hmm. in certain places. And, and I, I, you get to choose that, right? Right. That is your own power of like, I'm choosing to keep this protected. Absolutely. And you want to, right? Like not every part of you belongs in every space. And mm -hmm. like, that's totally healthy. That's not what we're saying. We're saying when someone forces you mm. to hide yourself. Oh, like when I, my fire gets like, subdued right yes. when I, when people are like stop kindling stop adding kindling to that fire and maybe douse it with water right yeah like so depressing i think i was telling you just before this how like at literally at my last job it was like i had multiple people in leadership come to me saying like me me seeking feedback right me seeking like how can i be better at my job at yes. the work i do right i want to be better at my job i want us to succeed like I'm here for the work. I vote, I, yeah, you know, I'm here Always. for the work, right? Like, and the feedback, the responses I would get from this leadership team of all white ladies, all white ladies, would be, you know, maybe you should tone it down and then people will trust you more or believe you more or, uh, and, you know, calm down a little bit and, like, you know, basically just the whole fucking tone it down bullshit. Sure. I leave this job and I start this work now with the BIPOC Alliance and I the work that you and I are doing. I meet all these people and I, I haven't heard, all I ever hear is, I love your energy so much. Mm -hmm. How can we work together? Oh my God, this energy is so incredible. I love this. And I think the first few times I heard it from people, like I, cr I cried because I was like, Bleh! people have been trying to douse my fire for so long and now it's like huge, beautiful, glowing flame. And I just, and it feels good. It like, I feel better in my body because I'm able to, I don't have to subdue. Yeah. I love that. And what a celebration that you are not having to hide yourself anymore. Mm. And you get that affirmation because I think that's the other really important piece. And I think this is a good place for us to sort of wrap things up 
is when you get the affirmation that your identity is not only seen, but celebrated, right? Like I have very, you and I both have very similar stories where people told me you're too much, Mm -hmm. you're intimidating, you're this. And I think even when you and I met, we both were complimenting each other the whole time. Yes. (laughs) And we were like, I love your energy, you love my, you know, all this stuff. And I think that's what made our friendship so powerful Mm -hmm. was we were both two people for who had, who for had, who for so long, I couldn't get that out, for so long had been told we're too loud, we're too over the top, we're too excitable, we're all of these things. I I got told constantly, like, you fly by the seat of your pants always. And I do. Yeah. And I I love that part of me. To Mm -hmm. me, that's something I want to celebrate. And now I get to because people see that as a value. Yeah. You know? Like, as opposed to it being detrimental. And... To add a little bit of racism to the mix, I think when you're a brown or a black woman and you have some of these qualities that you and I have, it's so it's just seen and received so poorly in the wrong spaces. Mm-hmm. Whereas when you're in our spaces, we are we are joyful, liberated people. Like that's what it oh, boils yeah. down to, and white people don't like that. No, no, you know. Yeah, and I, uh, I'm sorry. I know. I'm like really annoyed at like the world that they do this, but I'm just also so grateful and so relieved. Like, I feel I just, uh, ugh. I know I'm like in my mid thirties, and I finally feel like, oh, okay. So I don't have to keep trying to change myself to fit in this way that I was told is the right way, right? Like, there is no right way. This is my way. Absolutely. Which feels, which give me tingles to say, like, no, this is my way. And we have that freedom. And we are doing the work. We never stopped doing the work, mm -hmm. right? We never got lazy. We never got complacent. We didn't do any of those things. We just got to be ourselves. Mm -hmm. And it's like, how cool to be myself, fully realize. And yeah, it sucks that it took so long. Mm-hmm. But then that's our privilege, right? That we've been able to find this is that sure. now with this beautiful team we've been able to nurture, like we can also share that with them. We can model that it is possible to be yourself, right? Yes. For future generations, we can model like, hey, it's okay for me to look this way, sound this way, be this loud. Yeah. Right? Like I can be this way and still be loved and successful and all the things. And, and still I, be professional. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, we are professional people. I'm still just as smart. Oh, yeah. I'm still just as savvy and strategic and uh-huh. all of those things. When my hair is in a bonnet and I'm yelling and blasting my music. Like, yes. I'm all of those things. And that's what I think the big takeaway for me when I was writing this episode is, is your hidden identities, those parts of you that you feel like you have to hide, right? Like, I listen to a lot of like really bad trap music and <laughs> I used to turn it down when I would get into my my places whenever I would uh-huh. pull into a parking lot and I stopped doing that because just because I like Cardi B does not <laughs> mean that I don't have several degrees and I don't belong here mm-hmm. and I think that that's the piece right is you, you have to just give that sh- you have to get rid of all those stupid rules you've created totally I fully agree right Ugh. 
Um, I know I we're closing up, right? Yeah, we're right. getting we're wrapping. Um, I wanted you did include like this really lovely yes like definition um of what identity is that I, I think would be nice to close with. Do you want, would you like to read it? Yeah, absolutely. So I found this ide- this definition of identity. It's by Esser Yilmaz. I will link it in the show notes. But when we think about what an identity is, they say in the most general sense we can I, we can define identity. As a person's sense of self, established by their unique characteristics, affiliations, and social roles. Moreover, identity has continuity, as one feels to be the same person over time, despite many changes in their circumstances. And for me, the big piece is that your identity will not change. Your personality and your attributes, your hair color and where you go to school and where you're living, all those things will change. But the identity as whatever it is, whatever it is, a a woman, a gay person, a trans individual, black person, whatever it is, that identity stays the same and nothing changes it. Even other people's preconceived notions about what you need to be, that identity is yours. I think, um, and once we learn to celebrate, right, we learn to celebrate that it's so much deeper than our physicality. Mm -hmm. It's so much deeper than our own basic understandings. That's when we can really let people be who they need to be. Um, to show up to get the work done. So I think that that's very important. Something, if you take nothing away from this except for this last little bit, it is to celebrate all the identities that your team brings to the table because they matter and it's going to make your team that much stronger when they feel fully seen and fully realized. Oh, it's beautiful. Thanks, Indy, for closing us out with that beautiful statement. Thank you. All right, so let's close ourselves out in a breath, and then we'll tell you where to find us, mm-hmm. and that'll be the end of this episode. Yeah, we, that was an intense conversation, like, for me personally. So for me, I'm going to, I'm seated on the floor. I'm going to rock back on my sits bones, tuck my tummy in, shoulders down and away from your back. Tuck your chin and lift through the crown of your head so you have a nice long spine, Um, For me, I'm going to take my hands and place them over my heart. Just give like a gentle pressure on the chest. Feeling your hands on the chest, your eyes closed. Inhale through your nose, up towards your third eye. Exhale through the mouth with a nice sigh. Uh, well, thank you again for joining us. You can find us on social media, on Instagram at Branding Brujas. And we are online at brandingbrujas.com. You can send us an email if you want to work with us or just chat at admin at brujas. And we will see you guys next week. Thanks for joining us. Bye.